Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Rare Disease Mama. I am your host, Jillian Arnold. everyone is having a fantastic week. We are off to a good start because I have spent all weekend uh, making Christmas explode in our house. (laughs) We got all of our Christmas stuff out this weekend, all of our decorations and pretty much done with everything. I just need to put some finishing touches on the tree. Um, And yes, I am fully aware that Thanksgiving has not yet happened, but (laughs) we are very much those people that are like the day after Halloween, we like want to put all of our Christmas decorations up. And this is actually a little late for us this year, getting them up. (laughs) Um, And my reasoning behind that is that we have a lot of Christmas decorations and we love our house when it's decked out for Christmas and so does my husband and Roman and Stella love looking at all the lights and the tree. Um, so I feel like the longer we can leave it up, the better. And I, I don't know what it is, but like the day after new year's, I always want to, I'm like ready to take it all down, (laughs) but I would rather be able to enjoy the decorations for two months as opposed to just one. So that's why we put them up so early. So Stella is just so cute. She's obsessed with the tree. She was like watching me the whole time I was putting it up and she just like sits in the living room and stares at it. I think because of all the like lights on it and everything. And it looks really pretty. Uh, if I do say so myself, um, she has been sick this weekend. She got whatever I had and what Roman had. I'm guessing it's that adenovirus that I talked about on my last episode, but it's like the same exact symptoms as Roman. And she's to the point in the illness where she just wants to sleep. So today she's just been like, sitting in her pee pod chair because it's like the only place she wants to be right now. And I just prop her in front of the Christmas tree. I have the TV on, but she isn't really watching it. She's literally just like staring at the tree, just like zoning out and she falls asleep. She's been like sleeping off and on all day today. Um, which Roman like was sleeping for like, he had like four days straight of just like him wanting to nap like all day long. So whatever they have like is making them feel pretty lousy. But anyways, yeah, we got over Roman is 100% better now. Um, Seizures have been very well controlled the past few days. So I think that he was just having so many because he was sick which is really kind of the first time that's really the first time that that's happened when he's been sick. Cause I'm thinking of other times he's been sick in the past and he hasn't had like super increased seizures like that. So it's something we'll definitely look out for in the future when he gets sick. But, but yeah, so he is 
better. It's so much, it's so, I'm so relieved to see him like back to his normal self. It just like was really stressing me out. Um, just with him being sick, plus all the seizures, plus being so tired, it was just like very depressing to me. Um, and I just felt so bad for him. I just wanted him to get back to his normal self, which he thank goodness is now. Um, but of course, right when he gets better, Stella gets sick. <laughs> it's a never ending cycle. The only one that hasn't gotten it is my husband somehow. I'm assuming probably cause it's, he's working crazy hours lately. So he's like not interacting with us as much, but, um, but yeah, I just kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> so Christmas is up. And oh, I was talking about how Stella loves looking at the Christmas tree. So I took Roman today and we went shopping. I had to return some things and we met my mom and my sister and my nieces at the store. And I we found this like it's such a cute little pink um, Christmas tree that lights up. And I thought it matched, like it matches Stella's room perfectly. So my mom got one for, for Stella and for uh, my niece for their bedrooms. And I think Stella loves it. So yeah, we got a little Christmas cheer in her room too. Also, guys, I don't know what's happening to me this year, but I have never been one to be into, like, the cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies before. And this year, I am all about them. Like, I can't stop watching them. <laughs> it's it's getting pretty bad. Like, I'm talking about, like, the ones that are with, like, B-list actors maybe even C-list actors, if that's a thing. I I don't know what it is. I have already watched like three of them. One had like Vanessa Manillo in it. Is that her last name? Vanessa Manillo. I have to look it up. Okay, actually, well, technically it's Vanessa Lachey now because she is married to um, Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. All you... uh. Cincinnati folk out there probably are familiar with them. <laughs> um, for those of you who aren't, Nick and Drew Lachey from 98 Degrees are from Cincinnati and they're like still very much involved. I think they both live here. I know Drew does. I don't know if Nick does. But anyways, I watched a movie with her in it and it was so cute. Um, also so bad at the same time. Like when I was watching it, I didn't know if I hated it or loved it. And at the end, I think I loved it. <laughs> I think I loved it. Um, there's another one on Netflix with Lindsay Lohan that I just watched today. That was also so bad that it was like kind of good. <laughs> um, yeah. What happened to Lindsay Lohan? I haven't like, I feel like she like fell off the face of the earth for a while. And I guess now she's back doing, um, terrible Christmas movies on Netflix, which I am here for. So, <laughs> okay. So coming off of that crazy Christmas tangent that I just got on, <laughs> I wanted to share with you guys some really big, exciting 
incredible news that we got this past Wednesday. At the Kids Infusion last week, we found some stuff out. And I know a lot of you have been kind of following our journey for a while and that we are, have been in the very, very long process of trying to get access to a secondary um, medication. It's an experimental medication for our kids um, that has been shown to cross the blood brain barrier. And the hope is that it will slow down or potentially stop the neurological disease progression that happens with ASMD. Um, And it has been one hell of a process, as I have highlighted on a few of um, my episodes. I'm not going to go too deep into everything that we have had to do to get to this point, but, but... We found out on Wednesday that we finally have a start date. Yay! I'm so excited. I, it it was like the best news I could have possibly heard. So right now the drug is set to ship on November 28th, but we are trying to move that date up. Um, And I think we'll be able to move it up. So currently, if it ships on the 28th, I believe Roman is going to start on it on the 30th. But hopefully they'll be able to push it up. I wanted to try and start on it before Thanksgiving, and they think that that is completely doable. Um, The drug company already said that they would try and um, move the ship date up. So I will keep you all posted on that. Um, But I just was so ecstatic when our doctor, Roman and Stella's doctor, gave us that wonderful, wonderful news um, because it has just felt in a lot of ways like the longest year humanly possible waiting for this drug There were so many hurdles we had to overcome, and it just feels amazing actually seeing the finish line. (laughs) So, yeah, I am super, super excited. Also a little nervous, but very excited for him to start on this. He, so we wanted to, well, not we, but his doctor the way they had to submit things, they had to submit Romans first. So he is going to start before Stella, which is not how I wanted it. I wanted them both to start at the same time, but this is how it had to be done. But she did submit a protocol um, for Stella that we're waiting on the drug company to get back to us about, but I'm hoping Stella won't be too far behind him on her start start date, but it's really crazy to think about because Roman will be the first patient uh, worldwide that will be on both of these treatments simultaneously for ASMD. And when I say both treatments, I mean the enzyme replacement therapy, so their infusions plus 
this other medication that is supposed to help with their um, neurological disease. There is a boy out in California that is on the brain treatment already, but he has not started the infusions yet. I know that they're getting really close to starting um, him on those too. So yeah, it's just, it's really exciting because I feel like things are finally moving forward and it is a little scary to think that we're kind of um, going into some unchartered territory with this, but it's also, I'm just, I'm so cautiously optimistic is the best way I can describe it. And I can't wait for Stella to start too. <laughs> um, our other little bit of good news was that we also found out that um, starting next week, we get to decrease our observation hours after the kids infusion from three hours down to 30 minutes, which is freaking amazing. So usually on their infusion days, we get up at 4.45 in the morning and we leave the house by about six, get to the hospital around seven, um, check in, get all situated in the research center. We get their IVs placed. Uh, sometimes they get blood drawn, but uh, not really as much anymore. And they bring the medicine down and we start their infusion. The infusion itself takes about four hours. <clears throat> so, and then usually at the end of that, we have to tack on an additional three hours of just literally sitting there waiting um, because there was a three hour observation period written into their protocol when they were on this um, early access program. But now since we've switched over to the commercial drug because it, it just got FDA approved, our doctor has dropped that observation period down to just 30 minutes, which seems like just, it's going to make a world of difference <laughs> for us. And it's going to really shorten up those days a lot and make them um, much more bearable. So that's kind of what's been going on in our week this week. So I wanted to jump into the episode and the conversation I have for you guys today. I had the pleasure of speaking with Lauren Lowry. Um, Lauren is somebody that I have been following on social media for a while, um, she is a wife. She is a mother of two. She is a life coach for special needs moms. She's a podcast host, entrepreneur. The list goes on. <laughs> I have been listening to her podcast, Overcome the Overwhelm, since the very first episode. It was one of the first podcasts I started listening to that was kind of focused around special need parenting and I just love it. Lauren talks a lot about getting out of survival mode, which I know a lot of us parents of chronically ill, special needs children are stuck in a lot of times. And she, listening to her podcast honestly really helped me kind of like 
go deeper into why I was feeling the way I was feeling and kind of helped me helped pull me out of like a a dark kind of hole that I was in um, after Roman's diagnosis. So I was really excited to have her on. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you all. I hope you enjoy and I will see you on the other side. Glad we got the internet sorted out and we're having a couple of technical difficulties. <laughs> no joke. It's just, it's one of those days. It's like Monday. Yeah. Um, but thank you so, so, so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. I've been looking forward to this. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I listen to it every week and I think I have from like the first episode. So I'm excited to learn more about you and your family and like the journey that you're on. So I just wanted to kind of just jump right in and I'm hoping that you can tell us just a little bit more about your family and yourself, your background, all all the kind of basics. Yes. Okay. I know all the basics, right? The whole life story. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So me and my husband, we have two kids. My son, Leo, he is almost seven years old. He is our, I guess you would say, you know, your, our typical special needs child. Right. (laughs) He has a Cartier-Goutier syndrome, which falls under the leukodystrophy umbrella. So we have all sorts of different things going on. Um, He uses a wheelchair. We use a communication device and eye gaze. He's G-tube fed, um, so pretty much 100% dependent mm-hmm. as far as his care. And then we actually became foster parents back in 2020. And our first placement, we ended up adopting her two years later. Uh, so in December, it's past December, we adopted her. And she is actually turning six this week. So amazing. So, Aww. Yeah. Do you have anything yeah. special planned for her birthday? We had our party last weekend, so it was very windy here in Oklahoma, but I think she, she really liked it. So yeah. so sweet. Yeah. I like, I follow you on Instagram and I love seeing little videos of Leo. He is just like the cutest. He like, he, he touches my heart. He reminds me so much of my son. And, um, and I was just telling you before we started recording this, I was reading a little bit about Okay. A Cartier Goudier syndrome. Did I get that right? A a Cartier Goudier syndrome. A Cartier Goudier syndrome. I was reading Mm -hmm. a little about it and, um, there's a little overlap in kind of like some symptoms of that and symptoms that my children have Yes, with ASMD. So do you want to kind of talk more about, or tell me more about like the journey to his diagnosis And was it a long process? Was it a short? I know with a lot of rare disease, sometimes people go for months and months and months without knowing what is going on before they get an official diagnosis. Yeah, we went almost a year uh, searching for answers. Uh, We didn't know, you know, whenever I was pregnant, I did not know anything was going on, of course. And 
even whenever he was first born, we had an idea that something might not be, you know, right. And that kind of started the journey. And just the further we went along, the more clear it became that something was definitely going on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so we actually had to go through like the full genetic testing to get that diagnosis because Mm -hmm. it is... At the time when we were diagnosed, there was about 400 cases known worldwide. Oh, wow. And Leo really didn't present like the, you know, like the literature says. So, you know, it usually talks about skin issues and how there's, you know, an onset after typical development. And we had early onset. So it was right out the gate. He, you know, was impacted by it. So, and no skin issues. So it was very... (laughs) very confusing to get this diagnosis. They were like, that's not right. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. I I was reading. So did Leo, you said he had, he has early onset or had early onset. Does, did he, did you guys experience any regression with him or like, did he lose any skills or did he not kind of not get to the point of yeah. having those typical skills and milestones? We didn't get to a whole lot of milestones. You know, some people, their kids with AGS, they are almost walking whenever the onset, you know, whenever that hits that regression. Mm -hmm. For us, it wasn't like that. Um, He never sat up. He never lifted his head. He's never able to hold his head up or anything. Um, The only, but we did have regressions of our own type Mm -hmm. where he lost the ability to safely swallow. Yeah. Because, you know, we were able to feed him normally orally, I guess, and mm-hmm. everything. And then at about, I think he was about six months old, we lost that ability. Yeah. So it was kind of a, you know, one step forward, two steps back for the first two years. Yeah. Oh man, I cannot, I, I feel like my son, I guess we were lucky in the sense that we got to his diagnosis relatively quickly. Like it was from the time we started notice, like seriously noticing things to the point where we had a diagnosis, it was only like two or three months, um, which I know is pretty quick, like in the rare disease world. And I just can't imagine going an entire year, not knowing exactly what is going on with your baby. Yeah, it was hard. It was definitely hard. We were even told we may never get an answer. That's what they kept telling us. You may never know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that is, that is tough. You think about like this, just the stress of having a newborn in general, like a healthy newborn, and then add all of that on top of it. Um, what, what was that like for you and your husband? Did you guys, I know like with, with my marriage, we definitely went through a little bit of a rough period, (laughs) um, after my daughter was born. And it just, you know, became way too much for me. And I think I was kind of like lashing out on those closest to me, which my husband was probably taking the brunt of. Um, But tell me about like how his diagnosis affected your marriage. Do you feel like it caused any issues or obstacles or did it make you guys stronger? Yeah, it definitely impacted you know, me as a person and how I showed up, um, just from that stress. And I think this is so common how, you know, we're under all this stress, we're under all this emotions that we're trying to avoid usually that emotions, right? So we're trying to keep it together for our, 
for our child. And that has to come out somewhere, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, yeah, it comes out as that anger. Um, and I think that, you know, in the beginning, it did bring us together a little bit closer. We kind of clung to, e- to each other, yeah. but I pushed everyone else away. And then it kind of the pendulum swung the other way. And, you know, I started to, yeah, just like you said, you know, lash out at him. And I think that's really common that we end up lashing out at the people closest to us. Right. Yeah. 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 I feel the same way. Like, I feel like when we first got his diagnosis, I did, I like leaned on Donald so much for like emotional support. Cause I felt like he was the only other person, like in my entire life that knew what I was feeling and what I was going through. Cause he was experiencing it as well. So yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. And I know you, well, I wanted to ask you too, how is Leo doing today? Cause I see videos of him and he is, he looks really big and it looks like he's doing pretty well with, you know, his like eye gaze device and stuff and tell me how he's doing today. Oh, he's doing great. And that's, that's the fun part because, you know, the day we were given that diagnosis, they pretty much told us you'd have about a year before he would, you know, pass away potentially. And So that really put life into perspective for us, but he's doing great. Um, You know, we have, knock on wood, very few health issues so far. And, you know, he's figuring out this eye gaze device. Everyone thinks he's so sweet. And then he gets on his eye gaze device and he is, he's, he can have an attitude on that thing. (laughs) I love that. He'll tell the, yeah, he'll tell his teacher to stop talking and she just laughs. laughs. And I'm like, that's not nice, Leo. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. My daughter is starting to learn to use an eye gaze device. We're just kind of like exploring that right now. And it is so funny when, and even like with the, the switches, like her and this other little boy in her class, they'll like go back and forth. And it's just like the cutest thing ever. Like they're like talking to each other through these switches and eye gaze. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so cute. Um, but I'm so glad to hear how well he's doing and he is just so adorable. And I know you, you had mentioned your daughter and I was curious to learn more about how, like, did you guys always know that you wanted to foster? Was that a decision you made after Leo was born or was it something that you always wanted to explore and how did that lead to her adoption? Yeah, it was actually something that we always wanted to do. We had, you know, talked about it even before we were married. And, you know, my parents actually fostered um, whenever I was in high school. And yeah, so it was, it was just a really positive experience. It really touched, you know, who I am as a person yeah. from a very early age. And I always knew it was something I wanted to do. And we actually talked to the agency that we went through, uh, Lions Meadows of Hope. We actually talked to them before I was ever pregnant with Leo and we were going to get the process started. And then, you know, of course got pregnant and kind of put it on hold for a couple of years. And then, you know, as things started to calm down with Leo, we just, we just felt like it was the right time. We said, you know what? It's now or never. That's so, so how old was your daughter when you started fostering her? Yeah, she was three and it's kind of funny. She was placed in her home the week before COVID shut everything down. Oh, wow. 
So that was very difficult. It was probably one of the hardest years of my life, <laughs> but also one of the best because I mean, I learned so much through that year. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride fostering is. And, you know, you're always in the fostering world. You're always pro unification whenever it's safe. Right. And it just, it didn't, it didn't happen. And there's a lot of heartbreak there that I think a lot of people don't usually see whenever we talk about adoptions, but you know, that's a loss of a family there. So there was a lot of struggles in our house, um, helping her cope with that. And yeah, but I mean, she's doing great. She is just really excelling and yeah, I couldn't imagine life without her. Oh, so sweet. I'm so happy that she's doing so well. And so how long did you guys foster her until the adoption became? Um, yeah, we fostered her for almost two years. Okay. And how did, how did Leo adapt to a new sibling or somebody new in the house? <laughs> they actually, right from day one, so we were worried. I mean, most three-year-olds have never seen a child that can't sit up that's bigger than them or, you know, uses a wheelchair and uses, I mean, a, you know, a feeding tube. Yeah, that was going to be my other, that was that was gonna be yeah. my other question was how did she handle, you know, Leo and his disabilities and stuff? Yeah, we were really leery of it. And then she came in and I still, I will never forget that first day. I mean, she was just like, what's that? <laughs> and, you know, we kind of explained her and she just clung to Leo. Aww. I mean, they have been inseparable from day one. And it's just been probably one of just the coolest relationships I've ever seen is between those two. That is so sweet. They just get each other. That's yeah. so sweet. So are, and is Leo, is he six too? Yes. Okay. So they're, and he'll, he's about to turn seven. So they're just about nine months apart. Oh, that is so fun. So they're like the same age. Yeah. How precious. Love that. Um, yeah, I was, I was definitely curious on how she handled his disabilities and stuff. And cause you're right. Like not many three-year-olds are used to seeing kids like ours. And yeah, I love that. She just like took to him. That's so sweet. She did. <laughs> um, okay. So I wanted to talk about, like I was telling you before, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and you talk so much about caregiver burnout and being stuck in survival mode. And I just wanted to share with you when, let's see, when was it? This was... I guess in 2020. So my son was diagnosed and I, my daughter, I had my daughter, she, I think she was about three months old and she got, we got her diagnosis as well. And it was right when COVID happened. And I was in like the depths of survival mode every single day. And I always like heard the phrase survival mode but I never really like put the puzzle pieces together that that's what was happening to me until I started listening to your podcast. And I was like, oh, okay. I am in serious survival mode right now. I mean, like everything that you were saying was just ringing so true to me. Um, and the burnout, like you were talking about 
having like a lack of energy and like overwhelming fatigue, no matter how much sleep you get and, you know, not so great eating habits, which I was (laughs) starting to develop and just neglecting your own physical and emotional needs and just everything that you were saying, like lashing out, being very irritable. I was just like, check, 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 check. Um, so I feel like through listening to your podcast, I really started to like take a step back and I realized I, I didn't want to be living that way. That's a horrible way to live. Nobody wants to be living in survival mode. I mean, I would like sit down at the couch on the couch at the end of the night and literally tell my husband, like, I feel like I just got through this day. Like we're all alive. <laughs> and like, yeah. It's, just, yeah, it's such a like heartbreaking thing to think about. And I just wanted to say thank you, first of all, for oh. putting that out there into the world, because it truly helped me. And I would love for you to kind of like talk more about why you started doing what you're doing. And I'd love for you to talk about your coaching business too. Um, For those listening, Lauren is a life coach for special needs moms, in addition to a podcast host. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about like your, how you started to do all this stuff and maybe your experience with living in survival mode with your own family? Yeah. I was going to say, that's exactly where it started was because I was in that place. I was, I mean, I didn't realize I was, you know, eating my feelings. I didn't realize that I was lashing out at my husband and I just thought that, oh, well, all moms are exhausted and, you know, everything like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I kind of fell into life coaching. My sister, um, kind of, she told me about this podcast. I mean, I just, we just went down a rabbit hole, right. Of life coaching. And then whenever you work with your own coach, you really see the transformation that you can get. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it literally blew my mind. I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea how impactful the way we think about things. Yeah. You know, how that affects our lives and how that affects how we feel and that affects what we do essentially. And of course, everything we do and that affects our kids, that affects our families. And you know, after working with a coach and everything, it just, I was like, where is the special needs mom life coach? Cause I work for someone who's just kind of a generic coach and, you know, it was great, but I wanted someone who knew me, who knew what I was going through. And I looked and I looked and I couldn't find anybody. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be this. <laughs> there you and, go. Yeah. I and mean, I was like, well, you know, I can't find it. So I guess I need to be this because I want that for every mom. I want mom stuff you know, to experience life on the other side and say, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be as hard as it is. It doesn't have to be as, you know, exhausting and stressful as it is, or as it can be. And yeah, so I got certified and went through that process and did a lot of education and everything. And yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at now. And Oh gosh, what are we? I mean, you know, a year and a half into coaching, and I can't imagine my life doing anything else. It's definitely what I was meant to do. It definitely comes across just in just from listening to you talk on your podcast. Like you can tell that you were you were born to to coach others, and there's just 
I'd like, first of all, your voice, you sound like a Disney princess and I love it. Oh, I, that's like the biggest compliment. <laughs> I feel like I can never be in a bad mood when I'm listening to you talk. Cause it's just oh. like so cheerful. And like, I don't know. I just feel like whenever I listen to you talk, I'm like, okay, life's going to be okay. Like <laughs> it's just I so soothing. Um, but yeah, no, you can definitely tell how passionate you are. And I would love to know through like all the other moms that you've coached, what would you say the number one struggle has been for the moms that you've coached? Oh gosh, that's, or is there, there's probably such a good, there's probably like a laundry list of things, but (laughs) there's a laundry list, but there's a lot of commonalities for sure. Um, which is really interesting. I would say there is a definite common theme of being very overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by everything. And it kind of stems from this place of thinking that you have to do everything perfectly or, you know, and then, you know, you get the mom guilt whenever it's not done and, you know, you beat yourself up and that's when you reach for the Oreos and the glass of wine to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of cycle is very, very common. Yeah. Um, the kind of just feeling like you're not doing a good job, feeling like you're not doing enough and feeling like you don't have enough time to do it all. For sure. Yeah. Yes. I was um, listening to like some of your past episodes over the past couple of days and you said something in one of them that just like hit home and you said your kids don't need a hundred percent of you. They need the best of you. I just want everyone to just like soak that in for a second, because I feel like as special needs moms, like you are so overwhelmed and you're trying to do everything. And it's so easy to just completely forget about yourself and taking care of yourself. And I, gosh, I'm like thinking back to a time where I was just knee deep in survival mode. And I was so completely overwhelmed. And I, I remember I was like feeling like I had to be like doing therapies with my kids, like 24 seven. And I was literally making myself crazy. I was exhausted. I was miserable. Like I, I was forcing myself to do all this. I'm not happy. They can sense I'm not happy. And like, what is that? I don't want to be that type of parent for my kids. Like I want to be the best version of myself. And I feel like it's so important to just take a step back, not make yourself so consumed with that and give yourself the best version, you know, the best version of yourself to your kids, not a hundred percent. I'm going to pour every single thing I have into you. You know, you have to take that time for yourself to recharge and regroup. And yeah, I just, I just loved that, that quote and yeah, it just hit home for me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's where the big roadblocks for a lot of moms, not just special needs moms, Mm -hmm. you know, we are kind of told and, you know, conditioned to believe that we need to give all of ourselves. Everyone else comes first. We you know, take care of everyone's needs, our needs come last. And, you know, it's very subconscious, but that ends up playing out in our lives. And it can really, like you said, I mean, they don't get the best version of us, then they don't get, you know, whenever you're trying to do all those therapies, it's not going to be impactful. It's not going to work. Right. Right. 
we're just spinning our wheels for no reason. Yeah. So what, what is your greatest piece of advice? Do you think to other moms or dads, parents in general out there that are stuck in survival mode? What would be your like first call to action on getting them out of survival mode? Oh man. I mean, that's a, that's a question. That's a loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> Cause usually, you know, I could tell you the actions. I think we all know, you know, self-care, we all know that. Right. Mm-hmm. But the real question is, is why are we not doing the self-care? You know, why is the self-care? It only lasts so long. Right. Because we think what self-care is, is we think it's things that feel good. And I'm not saying those things aren't good as well, you know, bubble baths and things like that, but that's not what's really going to address the problem. No, it's really going to address the problem is, you know, managing your mind and, you know, learning how to kind of take control of everything and figure out what is the best course of action for me? Cause everybody's a little bit different on what they need for that self-care. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're, you get past just like putting a bandaid. Like, I feel like walks and bubble baths and things to like manicures, that kind of stuff is just like a bandaid on, yeah. on it. And it's not addressing the root cause of the issue. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's that underlying stress, you know, and like those band-aids are great, right? I'm not saying throw them out, but they're not going to solve everything. Yeah. Right. You have to address those fears and those anxieties that are lying underneath there and the guilt and the overwhelm and everything. For sure. So do you, can you tell us a little bit more about, I know you have like your 12 week course, the overcome the overwhelm. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that entails? Yeah, it entails exactly really what we just talked about there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and it's, it's a program, so it comes with you know, the, the materials, which is like the little videos, I try to keep it short and sweet. We're all busy. Right. right? Oh yeah. <laughs> and there's a guided workbook and everything, but really where the meat and potatoes of it showing my Southern side here, the meat <laughs> and potatoes, um, is in the coaching sessions. Cause that's where we dig into your own individual life. What's going on? Like, why do you feel guilty for, you know, going and, you know, going for a walk by yourself or whatever, like what's going on there? Why do you feel guilty for taking time away from your kids? Or why did you yell at your husband? What's going on there? And just really digging down into, again, you know, what's behind everything? Yeah. Is it because you feel like a good mom shouldn't, you know, work and need time for themselves or whatever, you know, it's everyone has those mental roadblocks. So that's kind of where we dig down into them in coaching. Yeah. I, I still very much want to take your 12 week course. (laughs) I know we've talked about it in the past and (laughs) my life just gets too busy and it slips away, but I'm still, I I definitely have it on my bucket list to do because I think that it would be just so helpful. And I've definitely done a lot of soul searching and, you know, fixing a lot of that stuff. I feel like I'm in a much, much, much better place <laughs> than I was two years ago now, but I feel like there's always, there's always work to be done on yourself and always, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I also wanted to ask you what, 
what would you say the most rewarding part about being a mother to a special needs son is? I ask all my guests this. Good question. (laughs) You know, we have a different look on life. We, I feel like I have truly do not take life for granted at this point. You know, we make the most out of every single day. And I think that's just such a gift that I don't think I necessarily would have lived my life this way had we not had Leo, you know? And because we said early on, whenever we didn't know how long we would have him, we said, we're going to do quality of life, not quantity. That's our focus is quality of life. And man, it's been it's been fun. We go on all sorts of adventures and we travel all the time. We just try to make as memory like as many memories as we can. Yeah. yeah. I saw you guys went to Disney World recently. Yeah. How was that? Yeah. Oh, it's fun. We go to Disney. We try to go at least once a year. It's it's a little bit more difficult throwing uh Kimber in the mix, but <laughs> but it's it's great. I mean, it's so accessible. That's why honestly why we love it so much because all the transportation is wheelchair accessible and the kids love it. We love it. Yeah. It's so much fun. We're looking into <laughs> a possible Disney trip. So my son had a wish granted through Make-A-Wish. Um, last oh, year, cool. we got a hot tub in the backyard because he loves yeah. being in the water. Um, and then my daughter has a wish coming up and we're trying to think of different ideas. We think we really want to try and take them somewhere. And mm-hmm. I feel like if we're going to go anywhere, we have to go to Disney World Yeah, because I feel like every child needs to experience Disney World. Yeah, But I'm like, so nervous about how it's all going to work out. Like I know it'll work out, but seeing moms like you that can do it and, you know, get those fun experiences. I'm like, okay, it's, it's definitely doable, but it's going to take a lot of uh, planning on, on my behalf. And yeah, but I've heard that Disney world is, is super accessible. It is. It is. And my only advice for that would be don't, try to do it all yeah like just take it slow and that's those are the best trips whenever you know we don't try to fit a bunch of things in and wear ourselves out we just yeah we just kind of stroll around and you'd be surprised how many rides you know our kids can go on and it's awesome yeah yeah how was the plane ride there I'm curious so what did Leo sit in exactly I'm I'm curious about this for my own son (laughs) yeah so he has and we're probably gonna figure out something soon because he's going to outgrow mm-hmm. it but he has what's called a, a fly safe harness okay and they are i think it's faa approved or whatever it is to fly um so they're approved for airlines and it just slips over the seat and essentially turns the seatbelt into a five-point harness okay and yeah i mean he we kind of have to prop him up with some pillows and everything but it works really well because it's not another piece of equipment it literally folds up and fits in his bag just yeah it's almost like seatbelt material so that's super easy to do that's really good to know because that's like been my biggest hang up I'm like how will the plane ride work (laughs) yeah just because like neither of my kids can sit up on their own either anymore and they both have well Roman's head control's gotten a little better but Stella's pretty like bobbly and I'm just like I don't know how that would work on an airplane um, but I'll definitely have to look into that. Fly safe. I just wrote that down. 
Yeah. And Amazon. I and mean, that's yeah. we just found it on Amazon. But you know, they also have those little car seat things that kind of fold up. Um and we've not tried that, but I've seen other parents that use those as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I will um I'll keep you updated on how that goes. Cause I'm yeah, I'm updated. <laughs> I really, really hope that it works out because I would love to take them to Disney World or somewhere. Yeah. We we did our yeah. first trip really ever with them in July. We drove to Florida and it definitely, you know, we took our time driving there. So we made a, a, quite a few stops, but it all worked out. And I, I had so much like anxiety leading up to it. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to forget something like just, you know how that goes. And mm-hmm. the trip mm-hmm. just ended up being super smooth and we all had a great time. So I feel like that trip definitely gave us the confidence to be like, okay, we can start actually yeah. like going places now with them and letting them yeah. experience the world. And yeah. Yeah. And I always love to, you know, always have those fears come up to, you know, oh, what if we forget something? I always like to answer that. I'm like, okay, what would I do if I forgot that? Mm-hmm. And like, I literally have my mental notes. I'm like, okay, there's the children's hospital. And yeah, we know these people in Florida who are also G-tube fed and, you know, right. pharmacies can be found here. So yeah. yeah, I feel like you can only prepare so much exactly. and you'll figure it out. <laughs> like whatever yeah, comes, figure it whatever out. comes up. Everything is figure out. Yes. Yep. Yes. I love that too. (laughs) I am just so glad that you were able to do this. And yeah, this was great. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to to have you back on in the future. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate you letting me come on. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Do you want to um kind of give some plugs on like your social media where people can follow you? Do you have a website, all that yeah. good stuff? Yeah. So my website, it's, uh, you know, LowryLifeCoaching.com, L-O-W-E-R-Y, LifeCoaching.com. Uh, podcast is Overcome the Overwhelm for Special Needs Moms. And then, of course, you know, Instagram, that's probably where I show up the most, where I kind of hang out. And Lauren underscore Nia underscore Lowry. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And if you guys haven't checked out her podcast, highly recommend. Um, Like I said, it kind of pulled me out of my little survival mode. I don't know, rut that I was in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm appreciative of that. Thank you. I'm so glad. Thank you so much, Lauren. And I hope you have a fantastic evening. Thank you. You too. All All right. Bye. Bye.